When it's dark and dreary in these winter months, what do you most like to do? I'm hoping that some of you might say you love to sit by a cosy fire and listen to a good story. That's a great way to make your heart warm and bring good cheer. Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pelly. Welcome to the special omnibus edition of Journey with Story, where you can listen to all of this month's episodes in one single sitting. Oh, mums and dads, and all of you grown-ups, you might be interested in a little handout that I have available on my website that gives you lots of tips on raising kids who love to read. Of course, I know you're interested in that because you're already sharing this storytelling podcast with your little ones. So go to www.journeywithstory.com and click on the Resources tab at the top. And you can also find the link in our episode notes. Now, let's take an omnibus journey with story. Now, let's take a journey with Jimmy Scarecrow's Christmas. Jimmy Scarecrow led a sad life in the winter. Jimmy's greatest grief was his lack of occupation. He liked to be useful, and in winter he was absolutely of no use at all. He wondered how many such miserable winters he would have to endure. He was a young scarecrow, and this was his first one. He was strongly made, and although his wooden joints creaked a little when the wind blew, he did not grow in the least rickety. Every morning, when the wintry sun peered like a hard yellow eye across the dry corn stubble, Jimmy felt sad. But at Christmas time, his heart nearly broke. On Christmas Eve, Santa Claus came in his sledge, heaped high with presents, urging his team of reindeer across the field. He was on his way to the farmhouse where Betsy lived with her Aunt Hannah. Betsy was a very good little girl with very smooth yellow curls and she had a great many presents. Santa Claus had a large wax doll baby for her on his arm, tucked up against the fur collar of his coat. He was afraid to trust it in the pack lest it get broken. When poor Jimmy Scarecrow saw Santa Claus, his heart gave a great leap. Santa Claus, here I am, he cried out. But Santa Claus did not hear him. Santa Claus, please give me a little present. I was good all summer and kept the crows out of the corn, pleaded the poor Scarecrow in his choking voice. Santa Claus passed by with a merry hello and a great clamour of bells. Then Jimmy Scarecrow stood in the corn stubble and shook with sobs until his joints creaked. I am of no use in the world and everybody has forgotten me, he moaned. But he was mistaken. The next morning, Betsy sat at the window holding her Christmas doll baby and she looked out at Jimmy Scarecrow standing alone in the field amidst the cotton stubble. Aunt Hannah, said she. Aunt Hannah was making a crazy patchwork quilt and she frowned hard at a triangular piece of red silk and circular piece of pink, wondering how to fit them together. Well, said she, did Santa Claus bring the Scarecrow any Christmas present? No, of course he didn't. Why not? Because he's a Scarecrow. Don't ask silly questions. 
I wouldn't like to be treated so if I was a scarecrow, said Betsy. But her Aunt Hannah did not hear her. She was busy cutting a triangular snip out of the round piece of pink silk, so the piece of red silk could be feather-stitched into it. It was snowing hard out of doors, and the north wind blew. The scarecrow's poor old coat got whiter and whiter with snow. Sometimes he almost vanished in the thick white storm. Aunt Hannah worked until the middle of the afternoon on her crazy quilt. Then she got up and spread it out over the sofa with an air of pride. There, said she, that's done and that makes the eighth. I've got one for every bed in the house and I've given four away. I'd give this away if I knew of anybody that wanted it. Aunt Hannah put on her hood and shawl and drew some blue yarn stockings on over her shoes and set out through the snow to carry a slice of plum pudding to her sister Susan, who lived down the road. Half an hour after Aunt Hannah had gone, Betsy put her little red plaid shawl over her head and ran across the field to Jimmy Scarecrow. She carried her new doll baby snuggled up under her shawl. "'Wish you Merry Christmas,' she said to Jimmy Scarecrow. "'Wish you the same,' said Jimmy, but his voice was choked with sobs and was also muffled, for his old hat had slipped down to his chin. Betsy looked pitifully at the old hat, fringed with icicles, like frozen tears, and the old snow-laden coat." your Christmas present, said she, and with that she tucked her doll baby inside Jimmy Scarecrow's coat, sticking its tiny feet into a pocket. Thank you, said Jimmy Scarecrow faintly. You're welcome, said she. Keep her under your overcoat so the snow won't wet her and she won't catch cold. She's delicate. Yes, I will, said Jimmy Scarecrow and he tried hard to bring one of his stiff, outstretched arms around to clasp the doll baby. "'Don't you feel cold in that old summer coat?' asked Betsy. "'If I had a little exercise, I should be warm,' he replied. But he shivered, and the wind whistled through his rags. "'You wait a minute,' said Betsy, and was off across the field." Jimmy Scarecrow stood in the corn stubble with the doll baby under his coat and waited. And soon, Betsy was back again with Aunt Hannah's crazy quilt trailing in the snow behind her. Here, said she, here is something to keep you warm. And she folded the crazy quilt around the Scarecrow and pinned it. Aunt Hannah wants to give it away if anybody wants it. She explained, she's got so many crazy quilts in the house now, she doesn't know what to do with them. Goodbye, be sure you keep the doll baby covered up. And with that, she ran across the field and left Jimmy Scarecrow alone with the crazy quilt and the doll baby. The bright flash of colours under Jimmy's hat brim dazzled his eyes and he felt a little alarmed. "'I hope this quilt is harmless if it is crazy,' he said. But the quilt was warm, and he dismissed his fears. Soon the doll baby whimpered, but he creaked his joints a little, and that amused it, and he heard it cooing inside his coat. Jimmy Scarecrow had never felt so happy in his life as he did for an hour or so. But after that, the snow began to turn to rain, and the crazy quilt was soaked through and through. And not only that, but his coat and the poor doll baby. It cried pitifully for a while, and then it was still, and he was afraid it was dead. It grew very dark, and the rain fell in sheets 
the snow melted, and Jimmy Scarecrow stood halfway up his old boots in water. He was saying to himself that the saddest hour of his life had come when suddenly he again heard Santa Claus's sleigh bells and his merry voice talking to his reindeer. It was after midnight, Christmas was over and Santa was hastening home to the North Pole. Santa Claus, dear Santa Claus, cried Jimmy Scarecrow with a great sob. And that time... Santa Claus heard him and drew rain. Who's there? He shouted out of the darkness. It's only me, replied the Scarecrow. Who's me? shouted Santa Claus. Jimmy Scarecrow! Santa got out of his sledge and waded up. Have you been standing here ever since corn was ripe? He asked pityingly, and Jimmy replied that he had. "'What's that over your shoulders?' Santa Claus continued, holding up his lantern. "'It's a crazy quilt.' "'And what are you holding under your coat?' "'The doll baby that Betsy gave me, and I'm afraid it's dead.' Poor Jimmy Scarecrow sobbed. "'Nonsense!' cried Santa Claus. "'Let me see it.' And with that, he pulled the doll baby out from under the Scarecrow's coat and patted its back, and shook it a little. And it began to cry, and then to crow. "'It's all right,' said Santa Claus. "'This is the doll baby I gave Betsy, and it's not at all delicate. It went through the measles and the chicken pox and the mumps and the whooping cough before it left the North Pole. Now get into the sledge, Jimmy Scarecrow, and bring the doll baby and the crazy quilt.' I have never had any quilts that weren't in their right minds at the North Pole, but maybe I can cure this one. Get in! Santa chirped to his reindeer, and they drew the sledge up close in a beautiful curve. Get in, Jimmy Scarecrow, and come with me to the North Pole, he cried. Please, how long shall I stay? asked Jimmy Scarecrow. Why, you are going to live with me, replied Santa Claus. I've been looking for a person like you for a long time. Are there any crows to scare away at the North Pole? I want to be useful, Jimmy Scarecrow said anxiously. No, answered Santa Claus, but I don't want you to scare away crows. I want you to scare away Arctic explorers. I can keep you in work for a thousand years, and scaring away Arctic explorers from the North Pole is much more important than scaring away crows from corn. Why, if they found the pole, there wouldn't be a piece an inch long left in a week's time, and the earth would cave in like an apple without a core, They would whittle it all to pieces and carry it away in their pockets for souvenirs. Come along, I'm in a hurry. I will go on two conditions, said Jimmy. First, I want to make a present to Aunt Hannah and Betsy next Christmas. You shall make them any present you choose. What else? I want some way provided to scare the crows out of the corn next summer while I am away, said Jimmy. That is easily managed, said Santa Claus. Just wait a minute. Santa took his stylographic pen out of his pocket, went with his lantern close to one of the fence posts, and wrote these words upon it. Notice two crows. Whichever crow shall hereafter hop, fly or flop into this field, during the absence of Jimmy Scarecrow, and therefrom purloin, steal, or abstract cotton, shall be instantly, in a twinkling and a trice, turned snow white, and be ever after a disgrace, a byword, and a reproach to his whole race, per order of Santa Claus.'
The corn will be safe now, said Santa Claus. Get in. Jimmy got into the sledge and they flew away over the fields out of sight with merry hellos and a great clamour of bells. The next morning there was much surprise at the farmhouse when Aunt Hannah and Betsy looked out of the window and the scarecrow was not in the field holding out his stiff arms over the corn stubble. Betsy had told Aunt Hannah she had given away the crazy quilt and the doll baby, but had been scolded very little. "'You must not give away anything of yours again without asking permission,' said Aunt Hannah, "'and you have no right to give anything of mine, even if you know I don't want it. Now both my pretty quilt and your beautiful doll baby are spoiled.' That was all Aunt Hannah had said. She thought she would send John after the quilt and the doll baby next morning as soon as it was light. But Jimmy Scarecrow was gone and the crazy quilt and the doll baby with him. John, the servant man, searched everywhere, but not a trace of them could he find. They must have all blown away, Mum, he said to Aunt Hannah. We shall have to have another scarecrow next summer, said she. But the next summer there was no need of a scarecrow, for not a crow came past the fence post on which Santa Claus had written his notice to crows. The cornfield was never so beautiful, and not a single grain was stolen by a crow. And everybody wondered at it, for they could not read the crow language in which Santa had written. It is a great mystery to me why the crows don't come into our cornfield when there is no scarecrow, said Aunt Hannah. But she had a still greater mystery to solve when Christmas came round again. Then she and Betsy had each a strange present. They found them in the sitting room on Christmas morning. Aunt Hannah's present was her old crazy quilt remodelled with every piece cut square and true and matched exactly to its neighbour why it's my old crazy quilt but it isn't crazy now cried aunt hannah and her very spectacles seemed to glisten with amazement betsy's present was her doll baby of the christmas before but the doll was a year older she had grown an inch and could walk and say, Mama, and how do? She was changed a good deal, but Betsy knew her at once. It's my doll, baby, she cried and snatched her up and kissed her. But neither Aunt Hannah nor Betsy ever knew that the quilt and the doll were Jimmy Scarecrow's Christmas presents to them. Now, let's take a journey with Little Piccola. Piccola lived in Italy, where the oranges grow and where all the year the sun shines warm and bright. I suppose you think Piccola a very strange name for a little girl, 
but in her country it was not strange at all, and her mother thought it the sweetest name a little girl ever had. Piccola had no kind father, no big brother or sister, and no sweet baby to play with and love. She and her mother lived all alone in an old stone house that looked out onto a dark, narrow street. They were very poor, and the mother was away from home almost every day, washing clothes and scrubbing floors and working hard to earn money for her little girl and herself. So you see, Piccola was alone a great deal of the time, and if she had not been a very happy, contented little child, I hardly knew what she would have done. She had no playthings except a heap of stones in the backyard that she used for building houses, and a very old, very ragged doll that her mother had found in the street one day. But there was a small, round hole in the stone wall at the back of her yard, and her greatest pleasure was to look through that into her neighbour's garden. When she stood on a stone and put her eyes close to the hole, she could see the green grass in the garden and smell the sweet flowers and even hear the water splashing into the fountain. She had never seen anyone walking in the garden, for it belonged to an old gentleman who did not care about grass and flowers. One day in the autumn her mother told her that the old gentleman had gone away and had rented his house to a family of little American children who had come with their sick mother to spend the winter in Italy. After this, Piccola was never lonely, for all day long the children ran and played and danced and sang in the garden. It was several weeks before they saw her at all, and I'm not sure they ever would have done so, but one day the kitten ran away, and in chasing her they came close to the wall and saw Piccola's black eyes looking through the hole in the stones. They were a little frightened at first and did not speak to her, but the next day she was there again, and Rose, the oldest girl, went up to the wall and talked to her a little while. When the children found that she had no one to play with and was very lonely, they talked to her every day and often brought her fruits and candies and passed them through the hole in the wall. One day they even pushed the kitten through but the hole was hardly large enough for her and she meowed and scratched and was very much frightened. After that, the little boy said he would ask his father if the hole might not be made larger and then Piccola could come in and play with them. The father had found out that Piccola's mother was a good woman and that the little girl herself was sweet and kind so that he was very glad to have some of the stones broken away and an opening made for Piccola to come in. How excited she was and how glad the children were when she first stepped into the garden. She wore her best dress, a long bright-coloured woollen skirt and a white waist. Round her neck was a string of beads and on her feet were little wooden shoes. It would seem very strange to us, would it not, to wear wooden shoes? But Piccola and her mother had never worn anything else and never had any money to buy stockings. Piccola almost always ran about barefooted like the kittens and the chickens and the little ducks. What a good time they had that day and how glad Piccola's mother was that her little girl could have such a pleasant, safe place to play in while she was away at work. By and by December came and the other children began to talk about Christmas. One day, when Piccola's curly head and bright eyes came peeping through the hole in the wall and they ran to her and helped her in and as they did so, they all asked her at once what she thought she would have for a Christmas present. A Christmas present? said Piccola. Why, what is that? All the children looked surprised at this and Rose said, rather gravely, Dear Piccola, don't you 
know what Christmas is? Oh, yes, Picolard knew it was the happy day when the baby Christ was born and she'd been to church on that day and heard the beautiful singing and had seen the picture of the baby lying in the manger with cattle and sheep sleeping around about. Oh, yes, she knew all that very well. But what was a Christmas present? Then the children began to laugh and to answer her altogether. There was such a clatter of tongues that she could hear only a few of the words now and then, such as chimney, Santa Claus, stockings, reindeer, Christmas Eve, candies and toys. Piccola put her hands over her ears and said, Oh, I can't understand one word. You tell me, Rose. Then Rose told her all about jolly Santa Claus with his red cheeks and white beard and fur coat and about his reindeer and sleigh full of toys. Every Christmas Eve, said Rose, he comes down the chimney and fills the stockings of all the good children. So Piccola, you hang up your stocking and who knows what a beautiful Christmas present you will find when morning comes. Of course, Piccola thought this was a delightful plan and was very pleased to hear about it. Then all the children told her of every Christmas Eve they could remember and of the presents they had had, so that she went home thinking of nothing but dolls and hoops and balls and ribbons and marbles and wagons and kites. She told her mother about Santa Claus and her mother seemed to think that perhaps he did not know there was any little girl in that house and very likely he would not come at all. But Piccola felt very sure Santa Claus would remember her, for her little friends had promised to send her a letter up the chimney to remind him. Christmas Eve came at last. Piccola's mother hurried home from her work. They had their little supper of soup and bread, and soon it was bedtime, time to get ready for Santa Claus. But oh! Piccola remembered then for the first time that the children had told her she must hang up her stocking. And she hadn't any, and neither had her mother. How sad! How sad it was! Now Santa Claus would come and perhaps be angry because he couldn't find any place to put the present the poor little girl stood by the fireplace and the big tears began to run down her cheeks. Just then her mother called to her, Hurry, Piccola, come to bed. What should she do? But she stopped crying and tried to think. And in a moment she remembered her wooden shoes and ran off to get one of them. She put it close to the chimney and said to herself, Surely Santa Claus will know what it's there for. He will know I haven't any stockings, so I gave him the shoe instead. Then she went off happily to her bed and she was asleep almost as soon as she had nestled close to her mother's side. The sun had only just begun to shine next morning when Piccola awoke. With one jump she was out of the floor and running toward the chimney. The wooden shoe was lying where she had left it. But you could never, never guess what was in it. <gasps> Piccola had not meant to wake her mother, but this surprise was more than any little girl could bear and yet be quiet. So she danced to the bed with a shoe in her hand, calling, Mother, mother, look, look, see the present Santa Claus brought me. Her mother raised her head and looked into the shoe. Why, Piccola, she said, a little chimney swallow nestling in your shoe. What a good Santa Claus to bring you a bird. Good Santa Claus, Dear Santa Claus, cried Piccola. 
and she kissed her mother and kissed the bird and kissed the shoe and even threw kisses up the chimney. She was so happy. When the little bird was taken out of the shoe, they found that he did not try to fly, only to hop about the room. And as they looked closer, they could see that one of his wings was hurt a little. But the mother bound it up carefully, so that it did not seem to pain him. And he was so gentle that he took a drink of water from a cup, and he even ate crumbs and seeds out of Piccolo's hands. She was a proud little girl when she took her Christmas present to show the children in the garden. They had had a great many gifts. Dolls that could say, Mama! Bright picture books, trains of cars, toy pianos. But not one of their playthings was alive that Piccolo's birdling. They were as pleased as she, and Rose hunted about the house until she found a large wicker cage that belonged to a blackbird she once had. She gave the cage to Piccola, and the swallow seemed to make himself quite at home in it at once, and sat on the perch, winking his bright eyes at the children. Rose had saved a bag of candies for Piccola, and when she went home at last, with the cage and her dear swallow safely inside it, I am sure there was not a happier little girl in the whole country of Italy. Now, let's take a journey with Little Girl's Christmas by Winifred E. Lincoln. It was Christmas Eve, and Little Girl had just hung up her stocking by the fireplace, right where it would be all ready for Santa when he slipped down the chimney. She knew he was coming because, well, because it was Christmas Eve and because he always had come to leave gifts for her on all the other Christmas Eves that she could remember. And, because she had seen his pictures everywhere downtown that afternoon when she was out with Mother. Still, she wasn't completely satisfied. Way down in her heart, she was a little uncertain. You see, when you have never really and truly seen a person with your very own eyes, it's hard to feel as if you fully believed in him, even though that person always has left beautiful gifts for you every time he has come. Oh, he'll come, said little girl. I just know he will be here before morning. But somehow, I wish... Well, what do you wish? said a tiny voice close by her, so close that little girl fairly jumped when she heard it. Why, I wish I could see Santa myself. I'd just like to go and see his house and his workshop and ride in his sleigh and know Mrs. Santa. It would be such fun, and then I'd know for sure. Why don't you go then, said tiny voice. It's easy enough. Just try on these shoes and take this light in your hand and you'll find your way all right. Find your way all right. So little girl looked down on the hearth and there were two charming little shoes side by side and a little spark of a light close to them. 
just as if they were all made out of one of the glowing coals of the wood fire. Such charming shoes as they were, little girl could hardly wait to pull off her slippers and try them on. They looked as if they were too small, but they weren't. They fitted exactly right, and just as little girl had put them both on and had taken the light in her hand, along came a little breath of wind. And away she went up the chimney, along with ever so many other little sparks, past the soot fairies, and out into the open air, where Jack Frost and the starbeams were all busy at work, making the world look pretty for Christmas. Away went little girl, two shoes, bright light and all, higher and higher, until she looked like a wee bit of a star up in the sky. It was the funniest thing, but she seemed to know the way perfectly and didn't have to stop to make inquiries anywhere. You see, it was a straight road all the way, and when one doesn't have to think about turning to the right or the left, it makes things very much easier. Pretty soon, little girl noticed that there was a bright light all around her. Oh, a very bright light. And right away, something down in her heart began to make her feel very happy indeed. She didn't know that the Christmas spirits and little Christmas fairies were all around her and even right inside her because she couldn't see a single one of them even though her eyes were very bright and could usually see a great deal. But that was just it and little girl felt as if she wanted to laugh and sing and be glad. It made her remember the sick boy who lived next door and she said to herself that she would carry him one of her prettiest picture books in the morning so that he could have something to make him happy all day. By and by, when the bright light all around her had grown very, very much brighter, little girl saw a path right in front of her, all straight and trim, leading up to a hill to a big, big house with ever and ever so many windows in it. When she had gone just a bit nearer, she saw candles in every window, red and green and yellow ones, and every one burning brightly. So little girl knew right away that these were Christmas candles to light her on her journey and make the way dear for her. And something told her that this was Santa's house and that pretty soon she would perhaps see Santa himself. Just as she neared the steps and before she could possibly have had time to ring the bell, the door opened, opened of itself as wide as could be and there stood, not Santa himself, don't think it, but a funny little man with slender little legs and a roly-poly stomach which shook every now and then when he laughed. You would have known right away, just as little girl knew, that he was a very happy little man. And you would have guessed right away, too, that the reason he was so roly-poly was because he laughed and chuckled and smiled all the time. For it's only sour cross folks who are thin and skimpy. Quick as a wink, he pulled off his little peaked red cap, smiled the broadest kind of a smile, and said, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, come in, come in. So in went little girl, holding fast a little man's hand, and when she was really inside, there was the jolliest, reddest fire, all glowing and snapping, and there were little man and all his brothers and sisters, who said their names were Merry Christmas and Good Cheer and ever so many other jolly-sounding things. And there were such a lot of them that little girl just knew she never could count them, no matter how long she tried. 
All around her were bundles and boxes and piles of toys and games, and little girl knew that these were all ready and waiting to be loaded into Santa's big sleigh for his reindeer to whirl them away over cloud tops and snowdrifts to the little people down below who had left their stockings all ready for him. Pretty soon all the little good cheer brothers began to hurry and bustle and carry out the bundles as fast as they could to the steps where little girl could hear the jingling bells and the stamping of hoofs. So little girl picked up some bundles and skipped along too for she wanted to help a bit herself. It's no fun whatever at Christmas unless you can help, you know. And there in the yard stood the biggest sleigh that little girl had ever seen. And the reindeer were all stamping and prancing and jingling the bells on their harnesses because they were so eager to be on their way to earth once more. She could hardly wait for Santa to come. And just as she had begun to wonder where he was, the door opened again and out came a whole forest of Christmas trees. At least it looked just as if a whole forest had started out for a walk somewhere. But a second glance showed little girl that there were thousands of Christmas sprites and that each one carried a tree or a big Christmas wreath on his back. Behind them all she could hear someone laughing loudly and talking in a big jovial voice that sounded as if he were good friends with the whole world. And straight away she knew that Santa himself was coming. Little girl's heart went pit-a-pat for a minute while she wondered if Santa would notice her. But she didn't have to wonder long, for he spied her at once and said, Bless my soul, who is this and where did you come from? Little girl thought perhaps she might be afraid to answer him, but she wasn't one bit afraid. You see, he had such a kind little twinkle in his eyes that she felt happy right away as she replied, Oh, I'm little girl and I wanted so much to see Santa that I just came and here I am. Ho, 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 laughed Santa, and here you are. Wanted to see Santa, did you? And so you came now. That's very nice, and it's too bad I'm in such a hurry, for we should like nothing better than to show you about and give you a real good time. But you see, it is a quarter of twelve now, and I must be on my way at once, else... I'll never reach that first chimney top by midnight. I'd call Mrs. Santa and ask her to get you some supper, but she's busy finishing doll's clothes, which must be done before morning, and I guess we'd better not bother her. Is there anything that you would like, little girl? And good old Santa put his big warm hand on little girl's curls, and she felt its warmth and kindness clear down to her very heart. You see, my dears, that even though Santa was in such a great hurry, he wasn't too busy to stop and make someone happy for a minute, even if it was someone no bigger than little girl. So she smiled back into Santa's face and said, Oh, Santa, if I could only ride down to earth with you behind these splendid reindeer, I'd love to go. Won't you please take me? I'm so small that I won't take up much room on the seat and I'll keep very still and not bother one bit. Then Santa laughed. Such a laugh. Big and loud and rollicking. And he said, Once a ride, does she? Well, well, shall we take her, little elves? Shall we take her, little fairies? Shall we take her, good reindeer? And all the little elves hopped and skipped and brought little girl a sprig of holly 
and all the little fairies bowed and smiled and brought her a bit of mistletoe, and all the good reindeer jingled their bells loudly, which meant, Oh, yes, let's take her. She's a good little girl. Let her ride. And before little girl could even think, she found herself all tucked up in the big fur robes beside Santa. And away they went, right out into the air, and over the clouds, through the Milky Way, and right under the very handle of the Big Dipper. On and on, toward the Earthland, whose lights little girl began to see, twinkling away down below her. Presently she felt the runners scrape upon something, and she knew they must be on someone's roof and that Santa would slip down someone's chimney in a minute. How she wanted to go, too. You see, if you had never been down a chimney and seen Santa filling up the stockings, you would want to go quite as much as Little Girl did now, wouldn't you? So, just as Little Girl was wishing as hard as ever she could wish, she heard a tiny voice say, Hold tight to his arm. Hold tight to his arm. So she held Santa's arm tight and close, and he shouldered his pack, never thinking that it was heavier than usual. And with a bound and a slide, there they were, Santa, little girl, pack and all, right in the middle of a room where there was a fireplace and stockings all hung up for Santa to fill. Just then, Santa noticed little girl. He had forgotten all about her for a minute, and he was very much surprised to find that she had come too. Bless my soul, he said. Where did you come from, little girl? And how in the world can we both get back up that chimney again? It's easy enough to slide down, but it's quite another matter to climb up again. And Santa looked very worried. But little girl was beginning to feel very tired by this time for she had had a very exciting evening, so she said, Oh, never mind me, Santa. I've had such a good time, and I'd just as soon stay here a while as not. I believe I'll curl up on this hearth rug a few minutes and have a little nap, for it looks as warm and cosy as our own hearth rug at home. And why... It is our very own hearth, and it's my own nursery, for there is Teddy Bear in his chair, where I leave him every night. And there's Bunny Cat, curled up on his cushion in the corner. And little girl turned to thank Santa and say goodbye to him. But either he had gone very quickly, or else she had fallen asleep very quickly. She never could tell which, for the next thing she knew, Daddy was holding her in his arms and was saying, oh, What's my little girl doing here? She must go to bed, for it's Christmas Eve and old Santa won't come if he thinks there are any little folks about. But little girl knew better than that, and when she began to tell him all about it, and how the Christmas fairies had welcomed her, and how Santa had given her such a fine ride, Daddy laughed and laughed and said, oh, You've been dreaming, little girl, you've been dreaming. But little girl knew better than that, too, for there on the hearth was the little black coal, which had given her two shoes and bright light, and tight in her hand she held a holly berry, which one of the Christmas sprites had placed there. More than all that, there she was on the hearthrug herself, just as Santa had left her. And that was the best proof of all. The trouble was, Daddy himself had never been a little girl, so he couldn't tell anything about it. But we know she hadn't been dreaming. Don't we, dears?
Now let's take a journey with the wise princess. And the little girl in this story has a Finnish name, Maria. Once upon a time, a king had one daughter whose name was Maria. He wished her to be the wisest woman in the world, and so he sent far and wide for the finest scholars to teach her all they knew. Maria loved learning, and most of all, she loved the many languages of the world. She learned Greek, English, Spanish, French, and Japanese. She learned Portuguese, Latin, German, and Chinese. Before long, Maria knew more than all her teachers combined. She could speak to every visitor in his own language. The king soon understood that Maria must find a husband who was as wise as she. He sent out a proclamation. Princess Maria will marry the man who can speak a language she does not know. Beware, suitors, anyone who dares to seek the hand of the princess but cannot speak a new tongue will be thrown into the wintry sea. Princes and dukes, knights and lords heard the proclamation and sighed. They shook their heads and grumbled among themselves. No one knows as many languages as the princess, they all agreed. And so no one came to seek Maria's hand in marriage. Poor Maria grew lonely and sad. Father, will no one marry me, she asked. Her father took his daughter's hand in his. I fear that may be true, my child, he said sadly. There seems to be no man wise enough for you. Meanwhile, outside the palace, a young shepherd, carrying a leather satchel on his back, appeared at the gates. I am Matty, the lad announced to the king's guards. I have come to seek the hand of the wise princess, Maria. The king's guards laughed. One of them said, Get back to your flocks, boy. You're a simple shepherd. You could never hope to win such a wise woman as our princess. Run before the king throws you into the sea. But Matty smiled. Open the gates, he said. I can speak many languages the princess has never heard before. The guards shook their heads. Give up, boy, another said. But the young shepherd refused to leave until finally the guards let him into the king's throne room, where he saw the princess sitting beside her father. Immediately, Maria smiled at the shepherd, for she saw a certain light in his eyes and the shadow of a smile on his lips that pleased her. Your Majesty, the guards announced, this lad has come to woo your daughter. Princess Maria was delighted by the handsome lad, but she was also afraid for him. Father, she whispered, please don't harm him. He seems kind and so very brave. The king looked at Matty and frowned. If you dare fail to speak an unknown language, son, do you know what will happen to you? Matty smiled. I do, he said. And I am not afraid of the sea. Besides, I believe you will find that your daughter does not know all there is to know. The king shrugged. Speak your language then, he said. Matty quickly walked to the princess's side. Beautiful princess, he said. Listen closely. He reached into his satchel and he pulled out a tiny sparrow. The sparrow chirped. Matty turned to the princess. Do you understand? he asked. The princess shook her head. But princess, Matty said calmly, you claim to understand all languages. This sparrow asks if he can alight upon your shoulder. He let go of the sparrow and whispered. And the sparrow flew at once to the princess. 
and alighted upon her shoulder. Maria clapped her hands. How wonderful, she cried. Wait, Matty said, raising his hand. He again reached into his satchel and pulled out a shiny black crow. The crow cried. Matty patted the bird's head. So sorry, he said, and he gently placed the crow upon the floor. You understood, of course, Matty asked the princess. She shook her head. No, she said softly. He wants his freedom, Matty said, and he walked to the door and opened it. He cried. When the crow heard these words, he flew out the door to his freedom. Again, the princess stared. How do you know what they say? She asked. Matty smiled again. I have spent my days in the forest listening carefully. I can speak the language of the beasts and birds. If you marry me, I will teach you, for there are many languages even the greatest scholars do not know. The king was furious. He turned to his daughter. I thought you were the most learned person in the world, he cried. How can you let a lowly shepherd make a fool of you? Matty once again stepped forward. Sire, your daughter is wise beyond words, he said. For only the wise can admit that they do not know everything. Maria was so pleased with Matty's understanding that she begged her father to allow her to marry him. The king, seeing the joy in his daughter's face, knew he was wrong to have judged Matty so harshly. You have won my daughter, he said, and I wish you both great joy. Matty and Maria married and lived happily ever after, always surrounded by the birds and beasts, always seeking wisdom, always wise enough to know that they could always learn more. I hope you enjoyed this special omnibus edition of Journey with Story. And don't forget, if you had a favourite story, do let us know. Just go to www.journeywithstory.com, click on the Contact Us and fill in the form. And if you want to be considered for a shout out on the show, send us your drawings there too. Click on Contact Us, fill in the form and attach your drawing there. You can also see the link in our episode notes. Cheerio then, join me next time for Journey with Story. Music and post-production was by Colette Jonas.